Welcome to Glass Talk, Canada's podcast for the architectural glass industry. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. All right, folks, we've got uh, kind of a neat one for you today. We've gone all the way around uh, to the other side of the world to find uh, Thomas Simcoe. And uh, I've got a I've got a story about finding Thomas Simcoe that we can uh, that we that we can start off because there's a there's an interesting way that this conversation came about uh, over many many years. But uh, Thomas is you you're a prof- are you a professor of mechanical engineering, Thomas? Well, it's it's technical term is uh, technical rank is senior lecturer. Some people get kind of particular about that. So I'm not a full professor. He's not a full far. professor. He's a senior lecturer <laughs> at RMIT in Melbourne, Australia. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yes. Yep. So, uh, and and we're really uh, we're really pleased to have Thomas here all the way from uh, all the way from Australia today via the magic of Zoom, and uh, and the the but the interesting the interesting thing uh, to start this off is Thomas and I lived next door to each other when I was in high school, <laughs> and so was and so was Thomas. I guess you were more or less right at the end of high school. Thomas is a, just that's a that's right. Yeah, we were a few years apart. Yeah. Yeah, we were a few years apart. And we lived next door to each other, and then we went our separate ways to university, and and totally lost touch with each other for God thirty years, and then Thomas is back in Canada a few weeks ago, and touched base with with my mother and my brother, who of course he knew as well, and and I I wasn't able to be to to see him when he was here, but then we got in touch afterwards, and and in the mean when while he was gone. I went into this crazy business uh, uh, doing magazines and a window and door magazine, the Fenestration Review and Fenestration Conversations that you're listening to right now. And Thomas has a specialization in window and door and energy efficient building technology at RMIT. And it's just it was just the craziest thing that we had both ended up in this silly business of of, of, of windows and fenestration. And, uh, and, and so I said, hey, you know, we got to get on here and talk about uh, about about the Australian scene and about some of Thomas's research because there's a lot of interesting stuff there. So, welcome, Thomas. Uh, it's 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 really great to see you again after all these years. You too. Yeah. Yeah. So, listen. Start start out start us out, Thomas, with a bit about your about about your background and and sure. and, and what let, you do at the university you. and that kind of thing. Yeah. Let me tell you how I ended up in the windows world. Um, It was another one of these fortuitous stories. Uh, um, Like you said, we went off our separate ways. I went to a much better university. Oh! Queens. Queens. Yeah, that's right. I did engineering physics and mechanical engineering there. Um, And then I ended up at the University of Sydney. I was knocking on doors looking for a job as a backpacker. And this professor said, yeah, I'll hire him. I'll hire you. And he was working on vacuum insulating glazing or vacuum windows. Perhaps we'll talk mm-hmm. about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and just for a few months, and then later I immigrated to Australia. And he said, "Why don't you do a PhD with me?" And his name was Dick Collins, and he changed the course of my life. So I ended up working on windows for my PhD. And then he said, "You know, I don't like traveling anymore. Would you like to go on these uh, conference trips or these international experts meetings every six months?" And I said, "Sure." And the next thing you know, I was plugged in with with the International Energy Agency, Task 18, which back then was named uh, Advanced Glazing Materials. And so I was, I was, I had a front row seat with global experts on windows, folks from Lawrence Berkeley National Labs, so Windows and Daylighting Technology uh, program, and um, uh, NREL in Colorado, 
they were sort of on the periphery, just one person on the periphery there. Um, and, and in Europe and in Canada, Hakim Ahmadi at NRC. Um, and I not only was on the on, on the, the front line or the front row seat, I, they actually invited me into working with them, uh, doing testing, guarded hot box tests, um, um, guarded hot plate tests, yeah. uh, infrared imaging, uh, thermography. And so and I was sending my samples out for their for, for them to measure them, relating the results. It was it was wonderful. I, I, very few PhD students get that level of involvement with an international network of experts. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was even getting unsolicited job offers afterwards, but I wanted to stay in the land of sunshine here. <laughs> but Smart, um, good choice. <laughs> yeah, but you mentioned you know I was I, I'm in sort of the area of energy efficient housing, and windows are just part of the building envelope. And of course that led to widening my expertise into just energy efficient building technologies and house is just a box I mean, I'm sorry to be yeah. so simple about it and I love heat transfer and it's a heat transfer through a box different parts of the box and windows are just they've got lots of interesting heat transfers going on as as your members would know mm -hmm. um and I, I also branched out to HVAC um right and so i teach I, I i'm here at rmit university in melbourne the r is not silent so i can't say i teach at mit, <laughs> MIT yeah, yeah. <laughs> if i say it quickly maybe people will mishear it um but i'm in i'm in the what's called the the, the school of it's a real mouthful pro, uh, project uh construction and sorry, property construction and project management um, yes. but it's essentially it's a built built environment it's like a school of built environment yeah, uh, we like to say it's the largest in the southern hemisphere, but in Australia, that's bragging rights for so much. It's always the largest in the southern <laughs> hemisphere. The largest underground parking garage in the southern hemisphere. So well, you're comparing yourself to Antarctica, so you know or, it's kind or of, Brazil. Yeah, yeah. Brazil. Or Brazil, yeah. <laughs> or South Africa. Yeah, Brazil. Brazil's um, good competition. That's 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 yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, but I still have a my foot in the door in Canada. I'm with Professional Engineers Ontario, um, and and I also still teach online, of course, with the University of Toronto, uh, with their School of Continuing Studies, a course with HVAC, and another one on energy efficient buildings. Uh, I have a few modules in there. I'm not putting an endorsement plug for that one, but I do have a course starting in just a few days. But oh, <laughs> oh, sign up, folks. Run, <laughs> run, don't walk to the University of Toronto. I, I'm just continuing to have credits with Thomas. Yeah, I just, uh, but it's, it's, it's continuing study. So, um, so what I'm going to do talk about here is the, the state of Windows technology in or the Windows industry in, in Australia. I'm an academic, so I have a very academic bent. I'm, I'm not actually working in the industry, but I, I interact with people in the industry. I hear stories. I have some stats. So I'll pass some of that on to you, your, your members. One of the themes you might hear from this is that it's pretty basic here. Um, dare I say primitive, I, I won't get into trouble, <laughs> but I'm stake in my house for that one. It, it, it's, it's really, you'll be shocked with some of the information I'm going to tell you. And the reason why I'm telling you that, aside from just general knowledge of what's going on down under, is that there could be some business opportunities for some of your, your members or some of your listeners. And you're thinking, why shipping Australia, uh, shipping windows to Australia? Well, it's not that far fetched. Yes, we do have a homegrown uh, industry, manufacturing industry here, but it doesn't meet all the needs. In fact, <laughs> I can't believe this. We import windows from overseas. One of the most heavily advertised companies here 
they they import them from the UK. They came to my house when I was looking at uh, retrofitting, and they said, "Oh, it's a three four month time lag because we got to get them shipped out from the UK." I'm going from the UK. That's halfway around the world. I know. And like, I, can't they I, at least get them from China? Well, yeah. Right there's there. another family we know that were they're on the wait list for three months to get them. I think it was from Taiwan or somewhere in the Far East. Oh my goodness! Uh, but but the reason for that is okay. The the wages here are pretty high. Uh, I'll, I'll put things into perspective here. Uh, one Canadian dollar buys 107 Australian dollars. So it's a little to my advantage here. Let's say they're about the same. They're always within a few percentage, a few mm. percent. But the minimum wage here is $21 an hour. But in manufacturing, it's going to be higher than that. Um, it's just the labor costs just kill manufacturing here. I mean, we used to have a car industry. Uh, up until a few years ago, manufacturing, gone. The, the level of manufacturing here is not the same as in Canada or in America. A mm. lot of stuff's imported. So if I say anything that tweaks anyone's interest, maybe I can forward them on to folks here who can tell them more about it in the industry. You know, maybe there's some potential partnerships with local companies. You know, Canadians make the glazing, they ship it out here, do the framers, uh, do the framing here. But I think actually the the the... the sort of choke point in the pipeline is the install installation. When I had my house retrofitted, you know, it was several months to get it done because they just can't keep up with the demand, probably even more so now because of the skill shortage, which is not unlike Canada. So um that's fascinating. That's that's yeah. uh, that's you know yeah wow food food for thought for everybody and i i, I hope yeah. i hope all the information we're doing here is is you know we'll, we'll we'll get a little bit useful for people to have an idea of the of the picture there and uh you know this this is something as canadians we don't think about enough i mean there's a there's a ton of expertise here in making windows and doors there's there's uh this 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 podcast and this magazine goes to over four thousand companies across the across okay. the country that do this kind of work and and you know we never look at we never look at doing anything except maybe shipping stuff to the states uh, no, sometimes. No. And you know, it sounds like it sounds like there's something there. Well, I mean, if, if they're shipping windows out, like they sound like the Rolls Royce of windows. They're shipping them out from the UK. They're coming through the Suez Canal or around South Africa. I mean, if they're being made in Vancouver or BC, put them on a boat right across the Pacific. Yeah. Or, Eastern Canada put them on a train out to Vancouver. How could it possibly be any more expensive than shipping them out from the UK? There's no way. There's no way. And then, and then, even with the manufacturing costs, as you as you say, I mean, twenty one dollars an hour is a little eyebrow raising. That's that's for sure. Uh, that's 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 a that's a that's that's that is expensive labor for sure. But um, you know, sh surely that must you must be able to recover that from the product then. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, out sure. the other side. So, so I mean, people are willing to pay top dollar for these imported from the UK. They, I mean, I have a house, a bungalow, um, uh, 19 windows of, of windows, two of them are sliding doors, so really, uh, 17 windows and two sliding doors, glass. And and the window to wall ratio here is it probably about 0.4, it's much greater than Canada. Some rooms will be well over half of glass. And they were charging, they were charging $89,000 for those imported windows. And people buy them. Uh, and they offered financing for these windows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I ended up paying $53,000 with a company that, which I have already sort of done some research with, five five minutes up the road. They make them here, right in the, in the suburb. So, you know, so you're looking that's, at big, that's, that's, a, that's a bungalow. One-story house yeah. uh, with a lot of windows, $53,000 reduced. 
My goodness, and and and, and double and big spans, and and well, we're and we're we're going to get into like like what are some other um like on a typical window purchase in uh, in in Australia? I think you were telling me before, uh, uh, still a lot of aluminum. Uh, Still a lot of aluminum, yeah, or aluminium as it's pronounced. Aluminium, here. I'm sorry. So yes, please excuse right. me if I jump between the two languages. <laughs> um, I think we we sort of went through a an, an, an idea of questions to ask, and, and if could we yeah. just jump in sort of the order of I was thinking of? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like like there was one there we were going to ask about comparing. Yeah, well, you... that's yeah, that's I mean that's 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 where I wanted to okay. go here was you okay. know if we're if we're going to so talk can I, can about I compare the standards and how we yeah. how we how we, we analyze them because it's, it's not too far off from Canada. Like manufacturers, they're going oh no, we're going to have to use different programs and it's going to be complex. And that's probably why we don't even ship to Europe. Let me assure you, it's not that drastic. Okay. Um, now it's been a while since I've worked in Canada, but I had to look it up online just to remember. I mean, um, the energy rating is based on, well, I'm not unlike here, U values, solar gain coefficient, visible transmittance, there are certain organizations allowed to do this. Uh, they're they're accredited. They use CAN CSA A four forty point two, generally done by simulation, usually and using the programs Therm and Window, which we use here. Great. <laughs> so it's not, it's it's actually interchangeable. Um, now I couldn't tell it from the standard, but my recollection, well, I know the standard references NFRC National Fenestration Rating Council standards mm -hmm. out of the U.S. And my recollection was that the standards, the the, the test conditions were the same: the, the minus 18 on the inside, 21 on the outside degrees, and the uh, surface co heat transfer coefficients in and out indoor outdoor were the same. So it's all it's it's conversant with the American system. So U values produced in Canada are comparable to how they would be uh, generated in, in America. That's my understanding. Your members would know more about that than me. But um, here in Australia, it's not too different. Um, so just have my notes here. Yeah. Let's say a window, man window manufacturer has a new product and they want that to be uh, accredited, et cetera. So what, uh, there's something called the Windows Energy Rating Scheme, WERS, W-E-R-S, and folks can look that up online, just Google WERS Australia. It, it's a database of the window, uh, of, uh, it's a database owned and administered by the Australian Glass and Window Association, another thing they can look up, A-G-W-A. Now, this is how it works. Um, if you wanna get your product listed on the WERS database, you send your, your as a manufacturer, you said your drawings and your materials specs to an accredited simulator, someone who's actually like in Canada, someone who's been accredited to do to do the work. Yeah, and that simulator works with Window and and Therm, the exact same programs came out of the U.S. And uh, according to the AFRC Australian Fenestration Rating Council simulation protocols, you think, oh, okay, now we're getting into Australian standards. But hey, whoa, they actually use. NFRC protocols for and, and window sizes, so it's 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 all conversant. Yeah, there you go. Well, if you're already NFRC, you're not going to see yeah, any. Yeah, yeah same thing. The, the only difference that the that I could tell that the AFRC does, they look at block and and uh, 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 frosted glasses. I think that there's some it's different types of glass, and it's exclusively in metric. So that the, otherwise, oh. it's the same. So the accredited simulator works through this, 
turns over the data to WERS, they do a quality check uh, and they, you know, the view value, the solar heat gain coefficient, an audit essentially. Mm -hmm. And then they take those, those, pro those values and they put it into a sample house, a model house that they have in uh, one of the programs is accredited for whole of house simulation here. We have a program called, um, or a system called Natters, National House Energy Rating Scheme. Okay. And essentially it's a protocol for simulating the energy demand on a house, heating and cooling demand. And there are four programs that are accredited for this. They're all the same. They all use the same, what they call engine, called the Chenap engine. So they all spit out the same numbers, or they should. It's all the same algorithm. So WERS picks one of them, puts the numbers for the window in, simulates it, and then comes out with a energy rating for that house based on those windows. And then it assigns an ID number for that for that window. And it's based on, you know, whether it's double glazing, uh, low E, or low solar heat gain coefficient. It's all there's a code to it. You can look that up if you want. But and it publishes the results, and it adds to the library automatically to the updates the uh, for the to the library of these four programs, so that other people can say, I'm going to pick this company X Y Z product 31, and plug it into my OS and see how it does. And that that's all there is to the process. It's, so that's interesting. So that's a tool. That's a tool actually for the um, for the contractor who's trying to get the house approved um, yep. for their energy rating, and 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 your window is is like you say, given this given this rating, given an ID number yep. based on that engine and 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 those tests that are that are the, I guess the numbers that are generated by the NFRC testing. Sorry, what yep. I'm calling the NFRC testing, which is yep. the same yep. for you guys. And then, and then, okay. And so now the con, so now the contractor can say, okay, these are, so it's like when you were describing that, what was going through my mind was energy star, right? Yeah. Because so I, le I left that out. Can I, can I jump in? Yep, here? Yep. Yeah. I left out that key point. Okay. So the, the, these four programs, and I use one called first rate five because it's free. Mm -hmm. uh, the other ones have bells and whistles. I'm a cheap academic. I like free stuff. So, <laughs> so if I take XYZ window, and plug it in there, put it all the windows in the house by XYZ. I run it and it churns out a number for me. It says this house has a 6.5 star rating. So the Natter's energy house rating, uh, house energy rating scheme is on a, z a scale of zero to 10. Uh, zero is like, does nothing. The window does nothing. Or the house has like zero energy efficiency. 10 is pretty darn good. Um, right now, the Actually, see, back in, I think it was 2006, the Building Code of Australia, as it was called then, mandated five, a st star rating of five. I think it was 2012, it was upped to um, uh, six stars. And then last October, they said, well, starting this May of this year, 2023, it's going up to seven stars and uh, the, with a transition period until October. So we're going into a much higher regime now, which is going to demand better windows. Um, does that answer your question about that? The that is a, that that's an awesome, and that's a key key point. And and it's it's interesting because in that one very one in that one area, at least Thomas, you you guys are ahead of of Canada uh, in at least in the way in in how the jurisdictions have have approached the, the energy efficiency question right 
this performance path, we, we would call that performance path um, uh, compliance with, with the energy uh, requirements, right? Where you can take the whole house and you can say, and you can model it and you can say, this is, this is how the house performs and you can, and then it, 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 it doesn't like, you can have trade-offs, right? You could you could have worse HVAC and better windows, or or vice versa. Yes, right. And and as long as the energy budget of the house is below what you're looking for, you see, and that that sounds like kind of what you've been doing. And you're saying that's been in place since 2006. Well, we've only recently uh, uh, BC started it, and and we've only recent well we've only recently had energy standards of any kind. Uh, to be honest, uh, any sort of, well, I mean, we've had standards, but they've all been voluntary. Everything has been voluntary, right? Wow. Yeah, we, it, it's all been completely voluntary until, until, well, and then, and then we finally got some air, we got some air water tightness uh, requirements, NAFs, North American Fenestration Standard. Uh, we got that a few years ago. Uh, I, I'm going to say that started in about 2010-ish, Somewhere there, I'm. I I don't have notes like you. I, you're much better prepared than I am, and 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 it was around Very 2010, and 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 then um, and it, but for the energy stuff, that was only in the would have been the uh, National Building Code. That stuff started to come in 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 like the the 2015 uh, uh 2015 versions of it. So, so that it's it's very new, and then and then the, and then the provinces pass some energy efficiency laws. Anyways, I'm not going to go through the whole regime, but 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 point being, point being, you guys are a good ten years ahead of us on having any wow. kind of mandatory in the code uh, uh, energy require energy efficiency requirement for homes. Well, and, I guess we're not that backwards as I thought. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now. How your number system, like you say, they started out with a five or whatever, right? They yeah. started out with a six, yeah. And and or, or no, they started out lower than that even. They started with a five and they've been yeah. 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 And 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 how that translates to what we're asking for now today. Like we're talking today. Well, okay. Here's the mandate in Canada right now is all new built homes by 2030, okay are supposed to be net zero homes. That's where they're getting to. So you literally, the house does not use any energy that isn't, that it doesn't produce. That's, or at least that's, it, sorry, net zero ready, right? So what they're saying is theoretically, if you put solar panels on this thing or something like that, you could, you, you, you could make enough energy to, to run the house without the grid. That's that is the that is the model that they're that they're going to, and that's where the standards are trying to get to. So how how do you, how how do you think that compares? Like so, this level seven you're talking about in Australia. How do you think that how do you think that compares? Okay. So um, it's based on heating and cooling loads here. So it's a combination of the two. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the numbers I can give you the numbers, but they're, they're meaningless because they're, you know you don't have much of a, a cooling requirement as much there. The new system is going to take into account things like PV on the roof, right, and, and appliance efficiency, which it doesn't now. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's you know, the, the solar thermal was allowed to help the, the star rating before with the four before, but not now. 
I should also correct or back up. I don't know when the simulation software became available, but certainly before that, you could get your star rating based on following requirements within the code, which is now called the National Construction Code. There's another proviso in that, just like in Canada, we have distinct societies too. Mm -hmm. uh, the states here, as we call our call the provinces, yeah. are they still have sort of a parochial, some of them a parochial colonial mentality. So some of them like to go their own way, but this is generally nationwide. The equivalent of Ontario here, the most populous uh, state of New South Wales has its own star rating system called basics, but it is essentially the same. Uh, they just call it something different. And that's a very simplification, but otherwise it's, it's a nationwide scheme. Okay. Okay. So you've got, so the, so, so right in your code now, is it always performance path? It's it's always this star rating system that and 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 that's the only thing you have to meet. Like because here in Canada, we also do a prescriptive paths where you can not look at the whole picture of the house as long yes. as the individual components that go in yes, are meeting. That that's yeah, the other. It's exactly the same here with our national construction code. You can do the prescriptive. Or you can do the simulation, the performance. Oh, okay. Either way. Okay. So on the prescriptive path for Windows, um, what are they calling for? What 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 are the what what's the standard there? Nothing. There is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and and that that leads into what I'd like to talk about. Yes. But the frames and double glazing, all that. Okay. Can I just put some context in here? Um, actually, just to talk a bit about the NFRC uh, protocols being used here. Uh, NFRC dictates or specifies areas for which you're going to, uh, you know, you, you can't just have a, any area you want just give, to specify your standard window U value. For example, a fixed window is 1500 by 1200 millimeters transferred into a, a metric. The problem here in Melbourne, here in, down in the southeast corner, I'll give you a context of the climate in a bit, is we tend to have very large windows, like huge windows. Um, so, you know, Companies here can come up with very highly efficient windows or very highly insulating windows, but when they turn the numbers over to the accredited modelers, they they have to shrink these windows. They've got to base it on this, these tiny little windows, in which case the frame is now a big part of the heat loss. Right. Um, and that's, no, that's strike number one. The other thing is that the simulation uh, algorithm assumes that the frame fraction of the window is the same regardless of the actual size of the window. So if you have a window the size of the, half the size of the wall, it assumes the frame fraction is still 8%. And that just knocks out, it knocks back the people who put, the companies put the effort into designing and manufacturing good quality windows. Mm -hmm. But to get, give you some geographic and climate context here. So um, there's a lot of similar, Similarity between Australia and Canada, not just you know in terms of uh, liking sports and liking our grog. Um, <laughs> you know, Canada, most of the population is along along the U.S. border. I, think yeah. I remember it was like ninety percent live within what hundred yeah. kilometers. Everyone, yeah. yeah. Well, here it's mostly along the coast and mostly along the east coast, hmm. with a pocket down here in the south of Melbourne, Adelaide, then a, a way out little isolated pocket in Western Australia called Perth, which is sort of like our Vancouver. They kind of feel isolated and out of touch with the, uh, or the East Coast elites or vice versa. It's got that same sort of vibe. Um, and I say that affectionately. With affection, that's right. Yeah, but most of them are on the East Coast. And 
and the climate goes it's it takes a while to get used to it you know i go north for the winter yeah <laughs> instead of going south to florida i go to the north so yeah. darwin is the capital of, of the northern territory and it's not a huge capital um but the average temperature is there uh summertime 30 highs of 33 low, lows of 25 mm. uh winter time high of 31 low of 19 um the capital canberra where it actually does get below freezing it's up on the mountains down here in the southeast corner uh, summer highs of uh, uh, 29 low of 14 winter high low of 11 zero there are eight does eight climate zones specified by the australian um uh, building code authority i think i may have mixed up the terms there abcb i i can't remember the term but the, mm -hmm. the title of it but and they go from basically north to south i mean in terms of like hot humid at the top and then cold alpine in the, in the south um darwin's in the worst of the lot and then you go down the east coast halfway down to brisbane it's really hot and humid sydney's more tolerable as you're going down to the southeast and melbourne south we have cold winters and Darwin, if you do the, I've done the house simulations there, it's entirely uh, cooling load there. There's no heating load there. I mean, I wake up in the morning, I get yeah. the morning forecast, and it's already in the low 20s, every, yeah. regardless of the season in, in Darwin. Tropical. Down here in Melbourne, this is what surprises my students, is that this is actually called a, a heating-dominated environment. Yeah, we have about maybe a few, few days each summer when it's in the low 40s, if you can believe oh. it. Yeah. Some of the 30s. and it's scorchingly unbearably hot not this year but over the course of the year most of the energy for the space conditioning goes into heating surprisingly because it's a long overly pretty cold winter hmm. uh, okay we get frost on the ground a few days and then frost on the uh winds when windshield of the car a few times and that a seems year. like a terrible hardship to you guys it right? is well it yeah. is yeah <laughs> <It's>, yeah <laughs> Here, I'm going to give you some more context. Um, the standard glazing here for old stock houses before they started bringing in these building codes was single glazing. I kid you not. Monolith. Up north, down here. Yeah. It blew me away. The coldest winter of my life was in a, uh, an apartment block in Canberra with single glazed windows. And they have these louvers that are open to the, the, the outside for ventilation. It's nuts. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And, and, and that's you know, yeah. And in a place where it is getting down below freezing and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, and a monolithic glass. Yeah. You, you're going to need to blast the heat to, to. Yeah. Well, energy used to be cheap here. And, and I'm going to put this also in context, 79% as of 2019, 79%, they call it 80% of our electricity was generated by fossil fuel. 56 percent mm -hmm. of the of it was is was generated by coal which is a national shame mm -hmm. so if we play with the numbers I, i've looked i've based on other numbers I, i've been able to tweak out of it about 1.5 percent of our energy consumption here in australia goes through windows either heat coming in or heat going out right. that's appreciable now mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier about you know prescriptive um, what I would love to see put into the building code is thou must have double glazing. Yeah. Now, yeah. I think going to seven stars, that's probably going to happen. But even now with new houses, put most of them in double glazing, but here and there will have double, single glazing. I'm like, why? Like for a few dollars more, make it all double glazing. 
Now, double glazing, that was out in the UK in the 1950s, but here it only started taking off in the 90s. Wow. Uh, low inputs, that's commonplace in Canada, right? Yeah. Oh, well, here, always. I think it was the, 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 the late 90s, early 2000s. And a friend of mine in the window industry, he summed it up very nicely. He said the window industry struggles to convince people to adopt higher technology. They perceive it's going to be way too more expensive. And yeah, the payoff payback periods are pretty lousy here. I'll talk about that in a bit. But like, for example, um, low coats, uh, that adds typically 10% to the price here. Right. But you know, I know three companies that just say, we'll give you a free upgrade. We'll just just you know give you a low, low eco. They have deals with uh, with glass companies and, and they're they're mm -hmm. able to do it. Um well they'll have they'll actually have more trouble sourcing clear. Yeah, I should think so. They, they will because because ah. everything for the North American market is coded. Okay. <laughs> well, this is new. This is relatively new here. Yeah. <laughs> we should yeah. say relatively new, but it's it, the adopting it here is is, is it, it's right. starting to catch on, right? But right. You, the, so the, the worst database is all with still has is littered with clear clear coats. Wow. You mentioned framing, so I'll finally get to framing. Mm -hmm. um, the most common in residences is wood or al aluminum slash aluminium. Aluminium. Um, and again, I was like, I can't believe we have metal frames houses here. <laughs> <laughs> so be it. And, and the difference practically is pretty obvious. We have very intense sunshine here. And so the wood, um, the paint flakes off. So it requires maintenance every few years. Mm. Uh, aluminum is less better performing. Mm -hmm. Vinyl or UPVC, last I checked, it's kind of hard to get hard numbers, but it looks like about as of a few years, they had about 5% of the market and they're, they're making inroads. Uh, there was a problem with that at first, UV stability, but the company that does that now says, oh, we, we cracked that problem. I guess they put some additives in there. But the problem with the, the PVC or vinyl frames here is they just look stupid here. Like just what we have, uh, they just don't meet the architectural aesthetics. And that's something I would warn folks who might be thinking of getting into the Australian market check into the aesthetics because it's the frames should typically be about that high. That's okay. the aesthetic here. We're looking the at it. Frames, you're showing me about an inch there. Sorry. Yeah. About an inch, inch and a half. So my apologies. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Remember yeah. This is audio recording. Yep. Um, so when you get these chunky vinyl ones, they look stupid. And I, I said to one uh, window salesman, I said, it looks like he just took something out of Europe and transplanted it here. It just, and you see it on houses. They just, they look dumb. Yeah. Um, they look out of place. So the way to go, I believe, to meet that ar architectural aesthetic is thermally broken aluminum. And that is that is here. It's not as popular because of cost. But uh, the best performing are wood and vinyl. Uh, thermally broken aluminum isn't, isn't far behind. And it looks mm. good. You pay a little extra for it, quite a bit, but it's it looks good. You know, if 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 you were a if you were a Canadian manufacturer with with any kind of ambition uh, uh, for, for 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 exporting, you you ought to be licking your chops at this because 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 what what you're describing to me is a is a is a is a a country five percent vinyl like oh my god like everything is vinyl here uh, I know uh, 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 like like that 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 has. Great big, huge format 
windows all over the place, right? Everyone has big glass everywhere, right? Here. In yeah, here in Australia. That's what I'm talking about. And and a, a ton of monolithic still in place with energy codes that are moving that are going to force all of those to be renovated and all and anything new built to 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 go to at least double glazing, right? And if you have a nice thermally broken aluminum or a thin profile vinyl, because it, because, yes. because you can do, you, you, there's lots of vinyl formulations here now that are, that are not that chunky, you know, uh, uh, look so much that, uh, that, that you used to always have to get. And like, it, it's just, a, it, it just, it just sounds like a colossal opportunity for somebody to come in with a, who can come in with a, a, a large, good, good, well, good insulating with a with a with a a, a a decent thin profile frame, and the frame, as as you pointed out, the frame doesn't even have to be uh, as high a performance as you get here as you do here in Canada, um, because if your insulating glass is good, you've got that much of a span. Although, like you say, the problem is with the uh, the problem is with the test um, the test requirements there. If they haven't addressed this uh, changing sizes, uh, so that you, you you calculate the frame dimensions properly, um, that that does that does create a bit of an issue. But you know what? That's something that really needs to be. I mean, we've we've done a lot of work here addressing that at the at the code, like at the at the standards levels, right? To get that stuff changed, so that you have some more testing options, um, and uh, and and maybe that's work that still needs to be done in Australia. I should also preface that I mentioned, you know, large windows down here in the southeast corner in the south, up north in Darwin, generally the windows tend to be smaller because the oh. high sort of game. But yeah, um, too hot, yeah. But 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 here you get like walls, entire walls, wind glass. It's just crazy. Um Fantastic. the other thing, the other opportunity is that you know, with low solar heat gain coefficient windows. I mean, you don't I, I'm assuming that's not a big deal in Canada. But really, it's just a matter of putting the coating, the low E coat, on the other on 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 uh, surface number two. Mm -hmm. I asked a, uh, a salesman about that. He didn't know what I was talking about. I'm like, you sell windows. You don't know where the. I mean, you can just scratch the surface and find out where it is. Yeah. But I'm like, you don't know. I mean, it, up north in the outback, you want low solar heat gain, so you want that low E coating on surface two on the mm -hmm. interior of the outdoor pane, mm -hmm. um, and. It's, it's it's just in that actual that product you know it had a cross section of it. I got out my ruler, and there was a 19 millimeter gap between in the in, in, between the two panes. Going, you realize that you have more gap here than you should. He said, "What? Yeah, the ideal gap for argon or air is 12 to 13 millimeters." Right. No clue. And I'm, so the this is just anecdotal. I'm not saying the whole industry is clueless, but to actually have people out there selling this stuff and not know the basic science was shocking. Like, yeah, so there's an yeah. Opportunity. yeah, no, that's absolutely what you can get. And yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Okay. And then, so on the, I mean, that's the, the solar heat gain is obviously like we have, we get into controversy, the, the whole seat when, when energy star, especially, uh, which has, has guided a lot of the energy efficient window construction in Canada was uh, conceived of uh, in the in the 70s and 80s. Um, the assumption very much then was that 
Um, you know, it was all about the heating load and 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 we need to maximize solar heat gain uh basically all the time and and the standard was really designed so that the more solar heat gain you could have on a window was basically always beneficial to your er rating um and the the world is moving on a little bit from that uh, e even here in canada um because we are finding um and, and i don't I don't know if it's a climate change thing, Thomas. I don't think it is. I think it's more just that um, people in Canada got into having air conditioning, uh, and 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 we we didn't even you and I probably I don't think we even had it on Hills Mount. Chris, well, I was, just, I, I was as soon as you said that, I thought growing up there was the Chang's house. They had air conditioning. That that was that was the only one I knew. Even that's right. You, the fancy Chang's. The fancy yeah. Chang's. The what, what? What was he a doctor? Yes. Yeah. 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 The, the very fancy change. That, that, that's something for our, our listeners is like, you know, color TVs and air conditioning. That was, that was luxury. <laughs> <laughs> I got my first VCR on Hills Mount Crescent. Boy, that was exciting. I'll tell you the day they brought in that, cable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's Thomas and I, Thomas, our houses right, right next to each other. Nice houses, nice street. Our, our, our parents both did well and 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 there, there was no air conditioning and yeah. and 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 that 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 was that was just typical now you can't buy out you can't buy a house in canada without air conditioning everyone has air conditioning and, and, and so so you know that's 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 been a change so that the, the, anyways that's just to say that the whole solar heat gain thing has um is it is in a bit of is in a bit of a flux here and there it sounds like um, it's still highly regional, right? Like, 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 Canberra is going to want one thing, and Darwin's going to want something very different. That's, that that leads into what I was, I, what I had written down, jotted down notes wise here. Sure. Is, yeah, Dar Darwin, it's all about solar heat gain coefficient. Yeah. Here, or I should say, about getting low ones there. Here, mm -hmm. you want high, and I, I just did a, a study on this. Uh, I'm not, don't mind touting this. I'm not going to you know, make any money out of it. If you want to Google the paper, it's called Optimal Window Designs for Australian Houses. My name is Tom Simcoe, S-I-M-K-O. I'm lead author, one of yes. two authors there. Um, and what I've done is I, I looked at different types of windows, different types of frames for the five capital cities that encompass 70% of the Australian population. And, well, no big surprise. You want low, e, low solar heat gain coefficient in Darwin, and you want relatively high in Melbourne. You do not want low solar gain uh, windows here in Melbourne because you, you you want that free solar heating in the winter. And this is something I know this for your members and listeners. This is just common sense. I, I'm sure this is old hat. <laughs> How, yeah. You know who am I I'm talking down to them even saying this? But you know here I see houses with tinted windows, and probably windows I don't know they have low solar gain windows as well, but you just can't see that. And I go, why would you do that? Because you need that that free solar heat gain in the winter to offset your heating costs. And yeah, you you pay for that, uh, you know, you got, yes, yeah, so you're gonna have lower cooling demand or cooling load, but you're also, you're gonna have, uh, that's going to be offset by your lower heating load in the winter. And people just don't seem to understand that. They go, well, all they remember is, yeah, it was, you know, it's really hot here. Last winter, or last summer, it was like scorchers. It's like three three days in the 40s. We need tinted windows. But they just don't seem to understand that. And I, I find it scandalous that there are people selling windows 
tinted windows to people without telling them, or probably ignorant of the whole fact of the modeling. The modeling clearly shows that you do not, should not have tinted windows in Melbourne or low solar heating coefficient, because of course you can do that without the tinting. Mm -hmm. uh, now, yes, with a proviso, some rooms you might want that, like in a breakfast nook or or yeah. There's or a comfort. There's a comfort and glare. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're looking, if you're if you have a huge wall sized window looking overlooking the bay westward, yeah, there's a reason for that. But the whole house, certainly not. Um, mm. And so, the way we deal with solar heat gain here, aside from engineering the windows or having the uh, the low E coating on that surface too, or tinting, is typically um, with orienting the, the the house. That's a big deal here. I'm, I'm speaking from anecdotal observations, from going up to Darwin, to going to Brisbane, et cetera, mm -hmm. uh, orienting the house or having a lower area of windows. Uh, you don't generally, I recall from Darwin, you don't generally have wall sized windows there because it's. Yeah. So you just so, score. It'd be like being in an aquarium, yeah, yeah. A greenhouse. I mean, Dar yeah. Darwin is twelve degrees below the equator. Um, wow, it's so hot and humid there. Uh, humid certain seasons, I just could not live there. Well, lovely place, but just not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, so you deal with it by orienting. Have smaller windows, deep verandas, uh, wow. or or, or um, eve, the, over, the eve overhanging the, the width of the eve is much wider. Uh, much more than in Canada. I mean, in Canada, it's just to keep the rain off, you know. But here it's, and in fact, there's a style of house, if you want to look it up, called a Queenslander. It's a beautiful style. It's just basically the house is on stilts. <laughs> they say it's just to keep the snakes out, but that's the side. <laughs> it's, it's for the ventilation underneath the yeah. floor. But the classic, one classic style of the Queenslander or country home is you have a porch or veranda all the way around the the, the walls, and it's covered with, with an, an overhang. From the from the uh, from the roof, or you have pergolas or plants, um, trees right up against the windows. Not a good idea here. You want to take a guess? The snakes again? Uh, well, I never thought of that one, but it's the fires. The the, the, oh, the gum trees. Right. Yes. Yeah. The gum trees here are flammable, and in fact, I can't. Don't quote me on this. Just from recollection, I believe fire codes in country areas or fire prone zones, or if not that, insurance requires people to have the, the trees back 12, 10 meters from the house. Okay. And besides, and this is a little known fact, uh, the trees here don't shed their leaves. So, you know, the ideal type of tree is a deciduous tree mm -hmm. where it loses its, le its leaves in the winter, like an oak tree, mm -hmm. and then the sun comes shining through and then the leaves grow back, providing the shade in the summer. I don't know if they do well, deciduous trees do well in in the tropics i've never seen oak trees up in darwin but um generally the, the trees here aren't suitable for that you know shedding of, by the seasons because they just don't tend to do that unless you have imported trees or, huh. or that's interesting so yeah you're, you you if you have a tree you've got it all the time whether it's whether it's hot or cold another two other approaches for dealing with solar gain here very common approaches are are um, adjustable shade screens there's essentially awnings you just pull them out in the summer and they just lean out, extend out over the window. It's just like a, it's just like, a, like an umbrella almost, or a, a covering. Um, and or you can do that. Uh, usually, it's like you just get out there in the, summer, in the beginning of summer and pull it out. You can have that done mechanically. Also, yeah. there are these roller blinds, uh, electric roller blinds. They're metal screens, and they're done by actually with motors, and they come right down. They're for security and also fireproofing, but also and for shading, all three purposes. Although. I've heard of one study that says you really don't want to be sealing up your house in a in a in a bushfire 
because it just makes things worse because the pressure builds up and then poof, the whole house just explodes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, uh, it's just one study I've heard of. That sounds bad. <laughs> yeah, sounds bad. But though, that's how that's how solar gain is dealt with here. Okay. Uh, but, you know, the much easier way is just having a low solar gain window uh, with that yeah. low E coating on on that surface. Well, they that that's one of the things. I mean, the the difficulty. That's very interesting, and I I, I wondered about the shading thing because. Um, it's been explained, and, and, and a lot of architects, when you get at a conference, will pound on the table and and say, you know, we we could solve all of these issues with with solar heat gain, and 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 especially in Canada, it is an issue because half the year you want it and half the year you don't, right? Yeah. And 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 so it, the same window is not is not doing what you want in in, in at different times of year, right? And of course, the way the Europeans have always solved that is with shading devices. Right, they have they have uh, shutters, they have awnings, they have blinds, they have uh, all all manner. They have they have overhangs, they have veranda. You know, like like there's there's the the Europeans have always solved it with shading of one kind or another. But aesthetically, like it's it's really Thomas is just pure aesthetics. In Canada, yep. you haven't been able to get people down with. Uh, uh, doing something to shade their windows. Damn it! I want the I want the light coming in. I want the I don't want to yeah. you know have any of this, and 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 so that was that was a fascinating thing, and it's a reason I I wanted the question on there was was because I I wanted to know if Australians are accept the shading, and it sounds like you do more. Yeah. No, I forgot to mention the other thing is these external blind or external shutters, like essentially louvers, big uh -huh. panels, either oriented horizontally or, uh, or or vertically, more commonly uh, horizontally. And yeah, you can adjust those with the season if you want the angle of them. But you know, the, so you have a window with a bunch of outdoor louvers, adjustable louvers. Uh, Australian architecture, I believe, more closely follows European. Like generally, Australia follows British European things in America. Uh -huh. um, this is almost sort of a nexus between America and the UK. If there's something I don't recognize, it's British. I blame it on the British. <laughs> right, right, uh, right, right. There, there's greater American influences here. Cool. So listen, that 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 that's some fascinating insight into the into into the Australian scene, scene there. Um, I want to touch a little bit on some of the uh, uh, research that you've uh, done and been doing, uh, because uh, you know I, I I know you've been sort of out on the bleeding edge of of, of window science in some of these areas. And um, one of the one of the earliest things that you, you sent me a couple of attachments and one of the uh, uh, things you did some work on was vacuum insulating glass. And uh, we're yeah. we're we're still um, we're still waiting for the big commercial breakthrough on VIG. Um, I know that um, some architects have have been starting to use it in some very high end uh, projects demanding. Um, uh, uh, very high energy ratings. Uh, I know there's a lot of curiosity about it, especially on commercial building, believe it or not, uh, because that's where the dollars uh, uh, might justify it. T tell me, tell me a bit about about. I guess, well, what 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 you your work on it, and and actually, there's an interesting anecdote there that I guess the University of Sydney was one of the early innovators yeah, of this, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, actually, this is another sort of uh, amazing coincidences, and where we've been with this uh, you said that you had in this podcast a while back gentleman who said he was the father of vacuum glazing i believe that would be benson david k benson 
Okay. Yeah. One of the energy labs in, in in Colorado, and if he was the father of it, well, my PhD supervisor Dick Collins would be. Yeah, I hope you won't mind my using this term, the midwife, because he actually brought it to practicality. <laughs> okay. So, uh, vacuum glazing. Shall I explain a little bit about it? Because yeah, I'm sure. assuming yeah. some of your listeners might not know about it. Yeah. It is, in the bluntest sense, it is a flat vacuum, a flat transparent thermos flask, vacuum thermos flask. It's two sheets of glass separated by a small array of pillars, and I'll get to them in a bit, with a vacuum in between. So as you can imagine, if you suck out all the air, all that's left for that heat to go between the two sheets of glass is radiative heat transfer, which you can easily cut down with a low E coat, mm -hmm. and going through the pillars. And the pillars are tiny. They, they're about 0.2 millimeters across, 0.2 millimeters high. Uh, they're not huge sh uh, short circuits. They're about... The company that makes them is about, uh, that makes most of them is about the, the spacing. It's a square, regular array, 20 millimeters apart. Yeah. They're so small, you got to get up really close to see them. The, 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 the impact on the visible transmittance is nothing. It's negligible. Uh, they're sealed around the edge. So yeah, there's, there's no uh, insulated edge spacer. So there's a, some loss around there. But essentially, it, it, it's the spacing is 0.2 millimeters. So you have a double pane window that is 6.2 millimeters wide. And there, there, the, the commercial breakthrough has already been made. Um, and it's um, with Pilkington, it was actually, I should give you some, some background for this. So uh, David Benson at NenRel grappled with some of the big issues. And uh, like he was thinking about, you know, how do you seal it? And it was my supervisor, Dick Collins and his group at the University of Sydney, funded by an Australian, no, sorry, funded by a Saudi Arabian prince, Ah, uh, they developed the first practical. Uh, they came up with the first report, the first practical vacuum glazing. And the way you make it is you put down a sheet of glass, and then you put down the array of pillars. They're made of ceramic or inconel, and then you put another sheet of glass on top, and then you put a fillet of solder glass around that, and you heat it up, and you have a pump out tube in the corner, and you suck out all the air as part of this process. I'm skipping over the exact sequence of events and then you seal that tube after you've baked out you know, gases embedded in the surface and then you have a, a flat a flat vacuum uh, a back flat uh, vacuum tube essentially mm -hmm. and um, that was so he had this in 89 got some patents out of it and I believe it was in 94 94 was when it was uh, Nippon sheet glass so from Saudi Arabia to Australia to Japan, DuPont mm -hmm. Glass, signed a licensing agreement with the University, University of Sydney. And it was in commercial production, I believe by 96 mm -hmm. in Kyoto. And the demand was so great that they, uh, create, uh, they built another uh, production line. And the way they sold it was, hey, you know, these uh, pillars are really techno, you know, this is really advanced glazing. But at the time, uh, Japan was on a retrofit crusade. Uh, I shouldn't use charge words like that. Uh, they were just a, a push. They were trying to put, you know, there was money out there for retrofitting old houses, old buildings, which were glazed with single glazing, single, uh, one sheet of glass. So right. rather than having to knock out the frames, you could just sort of make them slide these in. These, these units were only 6.2 millimeters wide. So that that's what made them so popular. Hmm. Now, Nippon Sheet Glass bought out Pilkington, if I remember right, 2006. So it's now marketed under the Pilkington name. It's called Spatia. 
Yeah. And you folks can look it up. I'm not, not, this is not a product endorsement, but they happen to be the leaders in this area. So you know, I don't own shares in Pilkington or NSG. So <laughs> Spacia, S-P-A-C-I-A. Yeah, and I, I believe Guardian has a product now too. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's, I'd say there's the leaders are the original leaders in it. Yeah. And let me, let me give you some numbers from that. Um, okay. From my notes here, because and, and you can find product uh, brochures on there. They have a whole bunch of different uh, options. And my goodness, I should have stapled my pages together. Here we are. Okay. Mm -hmm. So their basic spatia. Uh, these are center of glass values, 1.2 watts per meter squared Kelvin. Mm -hmm. Then they have super spatia, which is 0 0.7, 0 0.7 center of glass. Now, wow. how do you get that? Well, you take your, double, your, your, your spatia, you take your vacuum window, and you combine it with a single sheet of glass. So now you've made a triple pane window. Yeah. Or you put a double pane window with with the vacuum glazing being one of those panes. And you put argon between the two. So you can actually get this down to 0.7. Now, now you're starting to get thicker windows, but you know it, it pays off with the 0.7 now. I'm being duplicitous with the numbers because or evasive because we all want to know about the um the overall window values. Mm -hmm. Uh they're not published, but you know you can extrapolate if you can put these in a regular frame all there's a lot of edge loss through that fused solder glass seal on the edge but um, it's not going to be none too different um it's you know, the ones i've seen are in an aluminum frame very small but you know you're dealing with a 0.7 center of glass which is pretty darn good yeah um you've got a lot of room for error on the frame yeah. if you're already the one thing i can't find reliably online is the cost i mean one thing i saw was 100 to 400 dollars us dollars per square meter but I can't that that's third party information. I don't know if you're interested in that you'd have to look it up with the companies themselves. I mean, there are also some knockoff companies out of China, uh, like and you said, uh, was it Saint-Gomain as well? Yeah, they, they, uh, Guardian Guardian has Guardian has something. I don't know if Saint-Gomain has a product. Sorry, sorry, or... sorry, Guardian, I got the two mixed up, but yeah, Guardian. I'm not sure if they do. Um, so yeah, and so, um this is actually it's it's it, you can buy this stuff. It, it's commercially available. So the breakthrough yeah. is already done. I've been assured by a colleague of mine at University of Sydney, who's still working on the project, that the costs are comparable. I just don't have a fix on the cost. So it's out there. Um, the irony is, although it was developed here, it's not marketed here in Australia. I guess the 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 temperature extremes don't justify it. But I, I can order it specially. And I know someone who had a house in New Zealand through through a second hand. I know someone who had a house in New Zealand, done it, vacuum glazing, it can be done. It's, hmm. I, I understand it's more common in, in Japan, um, but that's that's all I know about the state of it now. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the, the the barrier here in North America ha, has been the cost. Uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's significantly more uh, okay. than, uh, than most of the, the at least, at least the, the, at the at the pricing historically has been significantly more than uh, than than a lot of other insulating glass like like there was there were a lot of ways to get to the level that was good enough you know what I mean without having to where whereas a, a vacuum solution would be the best there were a lot of and then and then I believe there were some at one point there were some durability concerns about the about the 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 edges failing or the pillars failing or something and the and the and the and the glass touching i i don't know i i can't those are those are anecdotes yeah, we, 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 we looked at that extensively at the university of sydney and that's not insurmountable yeah. it's just a matter 
putting the pillars closely together, close enough. In fact, right. uh, and if you have a sample I looked at was 20 millimeters. You can, we were looking at 25, 30. So they're going conservative to make sure that the, yeah. the, 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 the edges don't fail. If edges fail on poorly poor designs. Mm -hmm. If it's well designed, it should not fail. We've looked through that um, in terms of probability fracture, fracture analysis, uh, mm -hmm. crack propagations. It's just, it's it, it basically, if you want to get a lower U value, you just keep putting the pillars further and further out. But when you do that, well, then you're playing for with fire with the cracking. So that's why I believe NSG went conservative with 20 millimeter spacing on the pillars. Awesome. The other thing is you can you can uh, combine you can use um, uh, tempered glass, but the problem with that is in the manufacturing process you can't bring it up to high temperature because then you lose the tempering. You lose so your yeah yeah. That's another thing to play with. Yeah. Um, okay, so that yeah, so that's that's good on vacuum glass. Uh, can I just? Fact, what else you just got? Reminded me. Of, what just reminded me when I was talking about the state of windows here, I forgot to give you a rundown on. U values. I mean, what's considered to be a good U value in Canada? Overall window U value. One point one point two. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, overall. Oh, I'm thinking center of glass. Uh, uh, no, overall. Yeah. Well, the the over the overall is well right now. Um, code I believe is one point two, and the idea is that by 2030 it's going down to 0.08. And that would be wall or center of glass. Uh, those must be center of glass ratings. Sorry, Thomas. I I don't know. I yeah. I, I, I can't remember the overall. Uh, yeah, but the, the, overall, the overalls would be typically under two. Right. Right. Yes. Your, your, your listeners could correct me on that. Well, they can't because it's recorded. But it's nope. about two. And and um, I recall I found one website in Canada was saying you know you should be looking at one point four or less. So mm -hmm. it's certainly. Of that lower order yeah. so i looked at okay what's considered to what, what's the distribution of u values here in, in australia and I, I um i looked them up from value dates from 2016 to 2021 and i just checked it online before this just to see how it had been updated and i'm hoping i can find that uh, again but uh, oh here we are uh no well i'll just oh here we are okay so Overall, uh, so what I've done is I've, if you want to look this up, uh, it's under CSIRO, uh, that's that's our equivalent na uh, National Research Council, CSIRO Windows, uh, you could just Google that, window, U-values, thing like that, it'll give you a, a rundown of, by state or nationwide of like for houses, existing dwellings, new dwellings, so I'm going to go for all of them. Okay. And for, so for the entire country, Back in uh, going data up to 2021, only 8% of the windows on all houses were less than four. Wow. <laughs> That's overall window U values. I'm not joking. Okay? Right, right. And, and, and I was just tallying it up. It's a bar graph. So uh, I was looking at today's, it's about 12%, maybe 15%, 12%. It's, the point is the vast majority of them aren't worse than four. Now, that's for all. Sorry, that, now let's go for a new dwelling. Yeah. Well, I see that uh, looking at four, it, four is eight percent, and it goes down. I'm going to guess it's probably about fifteen percent for new dwellings. Fifteen percent have overall U values of four or less. Just eyeballing it, maybe, maybe, yeah, about fifteen, sixteen percent at most. 
renovations, okay. It's, as I recall, a bit more than that. Clicking on that. Uh, renovations, it's looking like about below four, well, much larger. Uh, four is 16% itself, and that's uh, 26, 30, 40. It's about 40, just over 40% are four or less. So, in fact, there's quite a few. There's about 2%, just, just over 1% there at, at U value of two. So, uh, this is all part of my theme is uh, the windows here aren't nearly as well performing as what would be considered to be um, good, highly insulated windows in Canada. So there's... Um, and that's there's just a massive low-hanging fruit for, I mean, I mean, with your yeah, energy standards tightening, that's yeah. just, that. that's the way that the builders, uh, the easiest way is going to be for the builders to address these, these new standards. I mean, two years ago, up to the date of 2021, renovations, only 21% were less than four watts per meter squared Kelvin. New mm. builds were 7.5%. So it's growing. It's certainly uh, better than what I looked at a couple of years ago. But uh, yeah, low-hanging fruit's a nice way to put it. Wow. That's, that that sums it up. Well, it is. Because I, I, I mean, I mean... <laughs> You get a you get a better window anyways. You 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 can you can reduce um, uh, a, a lot of uh, a solar heat gain or 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 loss uh, with 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 the coatings and with a, again a higher performing uh, insulating glass. Um, either way, and and you know when when the builder's looking at oh geez, geez now I got to now I got to put in this seven star house. You know I, I everything's got to be everything's got to hit this level, which I never used to have to worry about before. Um, you know how do I get there? And, uh, you know, the windows are obviously the big. Now, the other thing I was just thinking of was I don't imagine anyone has any insulation uh, in anything. Um, people might start blowing insulation into their attics and be able to do a lot of good that way. But... <laughs> that, that reminds me, that's another thing I left out of the context here. Is there have been a, lot, a few studies over the years of, okay, what are the savings from putting in new windows here in Australia? Yeah. Uh, or you look at, you know, New insulating the better insulating the walls or the ceiling, and it, and time and time again it shows up that it's not worth it. It's not worth the extra investment on the windows. Just work on the ceilings and walls. And the walls, the, the, I, I go by construction sites here, and I'm just aghast. Like it's just, it, they're just there's minimal insulation, um, and the ceilings are well. Now you have have to have a sealed ceiling space, but my house built in the 1990s. I look up in the ceiling space and I can see chinks of light coming through the tiles. The, the <laughs> it's, just, it's a dustbin. Um, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, um, the building standards from the nice, and this is you know renovation. There's room for that. Yeah. Um, you're asking about my research there earlier. I say you know I'm looking at uh, looking at plotting U values versus solar gain coefficient on contour plots. And this was inspired by a paper. I'm going to read this out, just the title of it, in case your members would like to have a look at it. Mm -hmm. It's called Performance Criteria for Residential Zero Energy Windows. And it was written by, most part, people who were in the Windows and Daylighting Group in the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab. The lead author was Darius Araste, who actually was the late Darius Araste, who has one of my supervisors, one of my thesis examiners from way back when, but some of the other names people remember will recognize from Windows, Howdy Goody, uh, and others there. So, um, and what they did was they looked at a model, a house model, and they they looked at different types of windows, and they, they, they changed the windows in this house model 
you know, for all dynamics. They looked at dynamic windows, uh, double glazed, uh, different new values, single clear, double clear, double high gain, low E, et cetera. And then they plotted on this U, on this plot of U value versus uh, solar E gain coefficient, these contour plots, where these types of windows would fit. And they also identified, um, I'm mixing the terms here, but it was essentially a, a net zero energy contour plot where the window would neither, over the course of the year with heating and cooling loads, would neither add to nor detract from the, um, from the, uh, the thermal performance of the house. Essentially, there was no, if, if heat, the solar game was coming in, it would be counteracted by the savings okay. uh, in the other season. And it's a wonderful paper. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm actually replicating that. You know, flattery is a, or imitation is the greatest mode of flattery. Mm -hmm. I'm re re replicating their study here in Australia because it's never been done before to identify what kinds of windows do you need for, say, Melbourne or Darwin, looking at a bunch of cities, um, to attain that net zero contour plot. Hmm. Uh, it's a great study. You know, folks want a really good academic treatment of or practical academic treatment of windows research look that up performance criteria for residential zero energy windows by araste a-r-a-s-t-e-h it's and, and others cool but, well uh, maybe i'll have to throw a link to that um onto the uh onto the podcast notes or something like that and uh and we'll be able to uh to direct people to that as well that's uh that's good stuff well, let's see, Thomas. What else do we need to cover here? Uh, uh, oh my God, we 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 had a we had a lot written down here. I don't know if we're going to get to I all think, this. I think you're asking me what what's what can we do to better windows, make better windows, and yeah, give yeah. Let's 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 jump to that and 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 yeah. hit um and hit uh, the, money the, money's the, money's the, no the, object, Thomas. What should we be doing? Well, uh, well, in fact, the question before that was, you know, generally how to make them better. I don't think there's much we can do with low E coatings. I mean, we can only get them get them down to 0 0.03 to 0 0.04. I mean, there may be issues about, you know, uh, more durable ones that they put on the uh, exposed surfaces on the inside or outside. But, you know, the interior, that's, but I think that's done. I think um, the fills, argon fill is going to remain the um, practical, low cost fill. I mean, Krypton, yes, is better performance, but it's going to cost you more. Um, I think the way to go is with frames, to focus on frames. If uh, LBNL and their Windows and Daylight program have, you know, sort of a truss-type interior frame arrangement, just working on frames and um, these hybrid windows, hybrid with like a vacuum window mm -hmm. and a third pane on top of that or mixed mm -hmm. in with that with an argon fill. That's the, the way to go in dynamic windows, and that that's typically proceed as, you know, whether mechanical shading or more practically, if we're going to talk about window design, electrochromics, which I don't know much about, so I'm not going to pretend or, you know, talk about that. Aside from that fact that I, I recall, there's one, you know, a sage glass where they say it's five ceramic layers and you put a, a, a current, and they say charge, but you put a current to it and the lithium ions go from layer to layer, basically tinting the glass, making it uh, colored and this are, you're gonna reduce its visible transmittance and therefore the, uh, the solar gain through it. Um, I thought there was, that didn't exist in Australia. I thought it wasn't much of it, but I looked it up online. Yeah, there are companies that sell it here. They sell that sort of glass or they also have for privacy for those from frosted to clear. Mm -hmm. um i just don't i've never seen it it can't be that great I, this is a type of window that you see on uh the the boeing 787 dreamliner 
where you oh. can you can adjust the, instead of pulling the shades down now you you change the the uh push a button to change the current to the window and it tints and right. you can get block out the sunshine pretty much entirely um i know that dreamliner well jumping back and back and forth across the pacific but you got I good think, at it <laughs> i think those are the ways to go I mean, dynamic windows are great because you can you can let the sun shine in in the winter and restrict it in 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 the summer if you're in in the summer if you're willing to put up with that slight colorization of the of the window in the summer or you just have it programmed you know when the sun's out um it becomes tinted um so frames um hybrid windows and um dynamic windows i think are the ways to uh, the areas of improvement absolutely if money if, was no object if money was if money was no object and and, and unfortunately it always is but yeah yeah exactly we could do a lot of things if money was no object yeah Listen, Thomas. This has been good. This has been this has been we're we're, we're right up against our hour, if not if not over. But uh, well, I, I'm actually I'm out of notes. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> we, it, 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 we 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 timed it just right. Thomas, it's really been great. It's really been great talking to you about this it stuff. It's, it's it's just unbelievable that uh, that that there you are with all this all this window and door knowledge, and you and I ended up in the same in the same uh, uh, area of the construction pond after uh, after all these years. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been uh, listen thanks very much and and thank and you for the really, invitation. really really love your really love your comments about uh about the um you know the the, the state of the australian industry and I, I i think that's that's you know i hope some ears are pricking up across canada about that because uh it looks like uh, it looks like there's going to be some changes coming there that might be uh might be uh, interested for people to explore for sure uh thomas if people want to look uh, uh look up you look up your work uh, uh look up where you work uh where would they go for all that kind of information Okay, uh, just uh, Google my name, Tom Simko, S-I-M-K-O, mm -hmm. and R-M-I-T, R-M-I-T, and then the contact details will come up there. Or I can just tell you my email address is tom.simco mm -hmm. at rmit.edu.au, and lead it from there. Or you're welcome to post it on with the podcast, whichever you wish. That's 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 fantastic, and 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 you never know, Thomas. You might get a call uh, or an email from a curious uh, a curious Canadian to. about all of that. These these stranger stranger things have happened. <laughs> okay, listen, Thomas, we're gonna wrap it up. Thanks so much for uh, for joining me today. What a what a what a neat conversation. Thanks for the invite, and uh, good day, mate. <laughs> all right, good day, mate. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Glass Talk. You can find this episode at glasscanadamag.com or on the major podcasting services. Glass Talk is a presentation of Glass Canada Magazine and Annex Business Media. Mm -hmm.